Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the second of three pre-season specials. This is the Kraken Night Show. I am Ian Leslie, and I'm joined by my co-host, JP, as always. Uh, JP, how's it going, mate? Great, great. It's good, good to be back. I know we've only been back one episode, but um, getting pumped. Hockey is not far away. so It is not. And hopefully listeners will feel that the dust has been shaken off now from the first episode. <laughs> you know, there's less issues, less ums, less, you know, just less of all the, all the fun stuff. Um, but yeah, so this is the second of three episodes, as I was saying. A quick recap of what we covered in the first episode, uh, which is available obviously, to download now. Um, but we looked at the draft for both teams. We looked at some of the Vegas trades. We obviously talked about uh, Phil, the meal deal, Kessel. Uh, and I'm going to keep calling him that until that name takes takes on. <laughs> uh, we talked about Bruce Cassidy and joining the Golden Knights as head coach. And we talked about goalie woes. Um, and we're going to cover that in more detail today. Because um, that kind of feels like the elephant in the room when we're talking about the Golden Knights. Um, so we've got a little bit that we wanted to cover on that. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, don't worry about it. We're not going to recover some of the same stuff, so you're not going to be hearing it twice. You know, just go back and check it out, obviously, after after you listen to this one. Now, in terms of episode two, again, we've got a completely stacked agenda and the time limit, so we've got a lot to get through. So I mean, JP may talk quicker than normal. <laughs> we may have to cut out some of the waffle, uh, which is hard for us to do. Um, but we are going to try because today we want to cover some of the Seattle stuff. So delve a little deeper into the Seattle side of things today, looking at some of the trades and free agency pickups that they made, whether or not that's made them any better. And if so, how has it made them better? Um, the, the, the business that Vegas did, so not not leaving Vegas completely out of this podcast because there was, there was a lot of retainment of players, which sometimes those things are as important as as trades, as free agency, just making sure you don't lose your best players, don't lose your best prospects. And there's a few pieces of business that we're going to talk through um, that is that is, is completely, completely, completely vital to the to the Vegas Golden Knights going forward. Um, and we're going to deep dive into the elephant in the room we're talking around. So we have a little look at Logan Thompson, look at his stats, talk around maybe his expectations, our expectations in a bit more detail. Um, today and finally we're going to be covering what are the team's expectations now this isn't our predictions our predictions is on the next episode which is the third the final of the three will be our predictions but this is around the team themselves expectations not jp's not ian's expectations but what is what is Foley going into this? What is what is his expectations for Vegas? What is Kelly McCrimmon's expectations for Vegas? What is you know Ron's Francis's expectations for Seattle? You know, and trying to trying to cover that. And lastly, and this allows me to use my board. And everybody knows I love to use my little media board. Um, but we actually have some news as well. <laughs> we actually have news in the off season, and most of it is is kicked off today before we recorded, which again is is typical we're actually recording on a tuesday so it's currently the the 20th of september um and i wouldn't have been able to record yesterday anyway because for those of you that uh, have maybe lived under a rock for the past two weeks queen elizabeth obviously passed away which was which was very sad 
um, she was 96, so she had, she had a good innings. We'll say that, but she obviously passed away, and that meant that yesterday was a funeral and was this big, big, big event in the UK, and like the whole of Britain shut down, and you know, we it was very odd. Um, but that was that was all all yesterday, um, and so we're actually recording the day after the day we normally record, or two days actually. Uh, so, so we've managed to capture some of the news that normally would have come out straight after we finished. So, so there, so that's that. That is the episode in a run through. Um, but before knowing of time constraints, JP, uh, let's hop straight into the news. You yep. still so, have that. Uh, <laughs> I still have that, yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's 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 a little that's thrown in there for our returning listeners that will remember the news jingle. And then JP made the mistake of singing over the top of it, so I recorded the things. That each recording is obviously a separate uh, channel, and that allowed me to strip it straight out. So thanks for that, JP. Oh, my pleasure. Um, I like to help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you said we'll have to acapella it by getting a couple of other pitches of you doing the same thing mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and really go town on it um now in terms of news we have got good news bad news and everything in between now we'll start with the the kind of more celebratory but sad news which is that we saw three players retire in the last 24 hours um pk suban and keith yandel both retired which was a bit of a shock uh, Keith Yandel actually probably more of a shock to me than PK Subban. I kind of felt that PK was was done, um, not because I feel like he couldn't play anymore. I, I, I think he could have still kept going, but I'm not really that surprised that he 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 kind of called it a day. But retiring at 33, JP, it feels kind of I know it shouldn't do, but it feels kind of young, you know, in 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 these, this day and age. That was my reaction. Yeah, it does feel a little bit young, especially for a quality defenseman, right? Like you, it's more common to see maybe a player who's you know, a journeyman, like an NHL journeyman who just, you know, kind of went back and forth between the minors and NHL. Like you might see somebody like that retire at 33, but not PK Subban. Yeah. I would have expected him to go longer, but who knows what plays into that, right? You know, you never know. Well, so apparently you know, the big, big, I mean, it's not the deciding factor. I think obviously PK knows himself, whether he's, whether he's, uh, whether he's, you know, whether he's, he's going to physically do it, whether he's got the hunger for it, all those kinds of things, because uh, infamously, and Michael Jordan retired in his early 30s for no other reason other than he was kind of done with the game. So I think mm-hmm. it's not, I'm not that shocked, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. PK's got one of those personalities where if he isn't hosting a show or something within the next like three or four months, I'll be very shocked. He, well, yeah, I, I, yeah, like you said, he probably has some big opportunity lined up is probably, was probably an influence as well. I'd be shocked if that weren't the case. He's moving, moving into broadcasting yeah. or something. Yeah. That would be my guess. He's got to, yeah. He's got to, he's, he's a, he's a legend anyway. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, the contract and the trade, sometimes the Montreal fans, they, you know, yes. Yeah. But he can divide opinions sometimes, but there was, there's no denying his ability. And obviously Keith Yandel as well, mm-hmm. an absolute legend within the game. 16 seasons in the NHL. I mean, what a, mm, what a, a good, boss he's been. Good career, yeah. Mm. But they all come second or play the second and third fiddle to a man who was in the league for a lot longer than that. Um, 
25 seasons. That is ridiculous. Wow, yeah, that's 25 seasons in the NHL, Mm -hmm. okay? Uh, And that is is Chara. And Chara is just an, an absolute freak of nature because to still be able to play the sort of hockey, because this is where your kind of hockey guys would be sat there saying, or well, he bangs bodies, so there's no way that he can play as long as another defenseman because of the physicality that he puts his body through night after night after night. Mm-hmm. Uh, he proved everybody wrong. He joined the league in 1997 with the Islanders after being drafted in the third round, and he played all the way through to 2021-22 season. That's 1,680 regular season games, exactly 200 playoff games. He scored 209 goals, 471 assists, so finished with 680 regular season points. Um, (laughs) 2,085 penalty minutes, Mm. which is a bit funny, Um, and a plus-minus of plus 301, which is, is not bad. So... Uh, it's a real shame, but he had to, you know, it was going to happen, wasn't it? It was coming, yeah. I mean, the other thing about Chara is, I, I could be wrong, but I think he even was still dropping the gloves last season. Like, yeah, if, it, if it wasn't last season, I know he had a couple of fights the season prior. So, I mean, mm-hmm. at, his, at his age, with all those miles on, on his frame, he's still out there dropping the gloves. Like, it's, it's uh-huh. impressive. Like, because so a lot of guys, right? If they stay in, like they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. Like that's not my role anymore. <laughs> but no, not yeah, for Chara. Yeah. He had no problem. Uh, I still saw him get into a couple of scraps, uh, at least. La- I feel like last season and the season before. So, yeah, total legend, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I, I want to see him behind the bench. You know, I don't know where Boston, you would assume, but mm-hmm. I want to see him doing something because I think he'd like, whether he'd be a great coach or not, I, I, don't, I don't know him well enough to know that, but I just think he's, you know, what what a, oh, just an absolute legend. I mean, it, the, the term legend and hall of famer gets used a lot, a bit like crisis in mm-hmm. this current world. Everything's a crisis and everybody's a legend. Yeah. And, <laughs> right. But <laughs> just, uh, I don't know if that's the same in the US, but in the UK, any sort of issue is automatically a crisis. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, but with, with Chara, he is the true definition, dictionary, scrolling down, find the word legend, and it's just his face. I mean, he is... Yeah, it's amazing. He's absolutely amazing, and mm. and it's going to be a sad season without him. But <laughs> his forties still going. Yeah, Jesus, he's had a heck of a run. That makes me feel bad. Yeah, outstanding career so, for that guy. Amazing. So that is that. Then we have some contract talks. So Nathan McKinnon, who probably deserves another, because Nathan McKinnon cashed out. So. Nathan McKinnon for the last couple of years has been one of the nicest contracts in the NHL because he was earning around about $6 million uh, a year. I don't know how he survived the poor soul. Um, and, uh, <laughs> but uh, in comparison to his production uh, and, and his potential, he was on a crazily cheap deal. And all the other people around him, whether it be Austin Matthews or um, on the McDavid and Drysdale and bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. All these other people were getting all their big money deals, and and he didn't. But he waited and he waited and he waited, and he has signed today, I believe, an eight-year extension with the Avalanche, 
with an AAV of $12.5 million, which makes him the highest paid player in the NHL, mm. which is intense, yeah, but amazing at the same time. And he deserves he deserves it. I mean, he is a true superstar. Yeah, yeah, he's worth the money. I mean, and any team would, if they mm. could find that salary, any team would probably be willing to pay him that. Like he's... He's so he's worth the price of admission for sure. I, I'm surprised. I guess I didn't know that he was making that little. It does seem very low for what he brings, doesn't it? But that's that's how it works. He's you know he signed that back before he you know had established quite as much value, right? So that's the risk when you sign yeah. these deals. <laughs> and and normally these deals they are like they 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 create this cascading effect. Mm-hmm. So one person will sign for 12.5 million and, and you see this in other sports as well. And then the next person will go in the room and go, I want what that guy got. Right. I'm as good getting. as McKinnon. I need a McKinnon deal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then everybody starts pushing the value up and up and up and up and right. up. And I think when he did his, his deal, some other things had been done at the same time. Mm. And I can't, I can't remember the ins and outs of it, but it, it was 6.6 million. It wasn't a full eight years either. I think it was a short term, it wasn't a bridge, but it was like mm-hmm. a kind of a bridge. Right, um, right. But, yeah. you know, Jesus, man, he's... Yeah, he's doing He's got just, paid out, He's so, doing just fine, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Drinks are on Nathan for, <laughs> for, for the whole of this season. Or in his case, celery <laughs> juice. <laughs> you know about the jokes, everybody kind of... There's a bit of a running gag. People tease him because he made some comments about eating really healthy and like... Did he? Yeah, yeah. Kind of. We'll we'll get into that on another episode. But a lot of the <laughs> Golden Knights fans will know what I'm talking about, since there was a bit of a rivalry there. Oh, there was a lot of joking dear. about he's apparently really, really strict about his diet. So he and he gets teased about that a little bit. So more power to him. Wow, so. Jesus! <laughs> if you if you can't go out and get absolutely smashed after signing an eight year, twelve and a half million <laughs> per year deal, yeah. when can you get smashed? Yeah, exactly. So, I, I hope he. I hope he. Uh, yeah, has a frosty one for me, so. <laughs> mm. Or at least spice up his celery drink or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or just something to Put make a shot in sing. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll have to have a, a, an off-season episode of trying to come up with cocktails using celery. Right, and, yeah. Anyway, not, for t- not for today. <laughs> right. So, so <laughs> moving on. Well, as I can see me and JP diving down the rabbit hole, we're, we're going we're gonna to resist. Yeah. And we're yeah. going to move on to the next piece of news. Yeah, we'll keep it on track. a small one. I'm only going to. Exactly. A small one, but we're going to we'll cover it very, very shortly, which is there was a trade today as well. Um, and Niles Lundqvist from the New York Rangers has been traded to the Dallas Stars for a first and a fourth. Now, in typical NHL fashion, both of those picks have conditionality around them. The first round pick isn't lottery protected as such, but it does have some weird thing in it which says that if Dallas get this far it's this if it gets that far it's that if they go all the way to the Stanley Cup final then it's completely vacated etc 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 so made sense so they don't get screwed on Bedard but that's the only trade and then there's two bits of Vegas news which is probably going to finish this news section on a bit of a sorrow note but I'm going to let uh, my co-host my partner in crime give this the uh, vegas update so uh what's going on mate? yeah a couple quick bits of news that have sort of developed in the last week or so um so nolan patrick as we know was out most of last season and the knights announced that he is going to miss this entire season um Mm -hmm. so that's a bummer and initially there was even some talk of possible retirement you know for those that don't know nolan patrick has had ongoing 
sort of ongoing injury issues. I know there were some things related to these kind of chronic migraines that he gets. I don't know all the details, but it's, it's an ongoing issue that he's dealt with for a long time. Um, and concussion issues and things like that. And, um, you know, I can't Mm -hmm. say for sure that that's what it is, but you know, it's probably safe to assume that that factors in, Uh, there was some talk of retirement, uh, according to Elliot Friedman, he said that he's still on a contract, he's drawing money. So there's no reason to assume that he's just going to retire, but it's not good. If somebody has to miss that amount of time, you, you have to wonder if, if that might be it. Right. So, uh, kind of sad. Um, he's just never been able to quite get things going, but that's, you know, that's, that's pro sports, right? That's sometimes these things happen. So I wish him the best, you know, hope that he is able to get over his injuries and actually play again. But for this season, uh, we're not going to see him. So, um, and then, uh, go ahead, uh, Ian, if you, were you going to comment on that or. I need to say what it's, it is such a shame because I think, you know, it was such a high ceiling for him when he came into the league and when he was drafted top yeah. three. And it really is, there was, it was the question mark on him in the draft. Mm-hmm. I remember when Philly took him, people were saying, is, is the concussions a problem? Will it be a recurring? Because he'd had his head injuries at a junior level. Right. Um, and it just, just shows, I mean, you can't, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that you, you we, head injuries are part of sports and obviously part of contact sports like hockey is, but it's a real shame when something like this happens because you kind of sat there thinking, what if, like, what if this hadn't happened? How good could this kid have been? So yeah, exactly. Yeah. I hope he returns, but yeah, it's a, it's a bummer. Yes. They were officially announced, like don't expect to see him this season. So, um, but in our, you know, our thoughts are certainly with him and hope he uh, recovers and is able to, you know, get, get uh, his injury situation uh, remedied. And then uh, in other news, uh, Nick Haig, obviously everybody's been waiting for Haig to sign a deal. Uh, apparently the the general consensus is that they're not even close. The team's not even close to deal with Haig. And I imagine it's one wow. of those, a little bit, one of those kind of standoff deals. Like Haig is now at that stage where he's he wants his money, right? He wants to sign uh, a good deal for the for the best money that he can get like this will be his first sort of big pro deal and um it's one of those things i'm sure his camp is holding out vegas is you know probably holding out as well and we've seen this happen these sort of stalemate situations um yep. but generally the, the the consensus is don't expect a deal anytime soon so we'll see what happens like Haig may ship out sign somewhere else or he may miss the first part of the season and eventually sign we've seen that happen too so that's kind of the latest on that situation thanks man and, and is is hey currently a an rfa without yeah. a contract or essentially without a contract yes Could he go to arbitration or any of that that's cor- yeah that's correct yeah and, and um and so that's why it's a weird situation he'll he's allowed to hold out for his money, but he's not necessarily allowed. I don't think to just go hit the market either. Right. Being an RFA, yeah, there are restrictions yeah, yeah. on what he can do. So it, it is going to be yep. one of those. Yeah. I remember that happened with Shea Theodore when he signed his first big deal. Um, he missed the first, just a little bit of the season. He just didn't play uh, because they hadn't come to an agreement yet, or he missed all of the preseason, I think. So we might be in a similar kind of situation here with that. So, yeah. And you can understand why, like you said, he wants he wants his money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Vegas, uh, I've got to think about the whole team as uh, the team as a whole. So. Right, right. Yeah. So that's it. That's kind of the last bit of news there for the Knights, and then we'll obviously discuss some more Golden Knights later in the episode. But We will indeed. 
Well, we're going to switch across uh, to the first bit of the uh, pre-season chat that we're going to do. And this is focusing on, on Seattle. Now, we, we kind of talked about the Seattle draft and the Shane Wright stuff on the, on the previous episode, so we're not really going to cover that. But one of the other big things that Seattle did in the offseason was really utilize, in my opinion anyway, really utilize the, the, the cap space that they had and, and kind of make the best of the situation that they're in by smart, you know, UFA signings, but also looking at some trades. So in the off season, and this isn't a full list because there are other kind of players that were brought in, but these are kind of two way guys, but Justin Schultz was brought in as a, uh, as a, a free agent signed with the, uh, with the Kraken, obviously a defenseman played at a few teams. I was at Washington played at Pittsburgh before that kind of a, I've seen some way times as a two-way guy. I know some people are high on him, some people are not. He kind of cuts his bit marmite, and hopefully you guys have marmite in the US. Otherwise, that's going to be nothing. <laughs> so I know what marmite he, is, what but I bet a lot of listeners you, don't. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, it's something that some people love, some people hate, and then some countries have no idea what how you're talking about. Right. Um, but he he is a little bit like that as a defenseman. His his statistics are not going to make you think, "Wow, he solves all your D line." woes but he has you know he's played a lot of playoff games he's got a lot of games under his belt it's not a horrific contract we had the ability to get it done i think it makes a lot of sense um and you need and you need players you need players like that on your roster too right they can't all be star signings like you need like good sort of core players that bring depth and and experience to the lineup right Exactly. And he's on three million a year for two years. Yes, he's got a modified no trade clause, but we all know that no trade clauses are basically, you know, yes, they're they're a hampner for the team, but they're not a hampner for the player because he can choose to ignore it if, if he if he particularly wants to. Um you know, but he's he's posted some reasonable numbers, nothing knockout. He doesn't score that many goals, so I wouldn't really see him as an offensive defenseman. Um but his plus minus back in the Pittsburgh years when they were in the playoffs well, we're in the playoffs for a longer period of time. We're pretty good. So I, it kind of made sense to me. And three million a year, I mean, what the hell's that? So Carson Soucy's on two point seven million, just as a just as a comparison mm-hmm. for those. The better signings for me were the next two. So Andre Burakovsky, I I absolutely love this deal. I mean, this is a five year deal, five years, five and a half million a year for Andre Burakovsky. Obviously was uh Stanley Cup winning Andre Burakovsky because he was at the Colorado Avalanche last season. This is a guy who's posted on average over the last three seasons about 20 goals a season, about the same again in assists. So he's about 45 to 60 points per season, but he hasn't played every game in all these seasons. So he has had a few injuries, but nothing too, nothing like's going to, you know, scare you too much. I mean, last season he played 80 games, right? And there was only 82. So he missed two games, no big deal. Um, but I, I, he obviously was a big prospect for the Washington Capitals when they drafted him. And I know that Colorado would have loved to have kept him, but they, they obviously had one eye on, on, on McKinnon and his money. So yeah. for <laughs> Seattle to be able to... Yeah, that's what I mean. And Seattle, like this is where people kept saying about the cap space and the an expansion draft, but this is where it was going to you know where the cap space was going was gonna to matter. Because if you can use this now to bring in these sorts of players then actually the fact that you didn't take Tarasenko in the first year, this is why. Like These are the things you can do because you didn't kind of handcuff yourself. And this isn't a shot of Vegas, by the way. The teams are in totally different positions like in their expectations and where they are as teams. But 
if you're going to have cap, it's not about signing 35-year-olds to, to crazy deals to just waste cap space. It's mm-hmm. about clever, clever, clever signings. I mean, he's 27 and they've got him for five years. Okay, so he's probably going to finish his career more than likely at Seattle. Fine. You know, fine. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, he's put up some good numbers. I would say he's a top six guy. Some people may say middle six. Um, I think it depends who he plays for. At Seattle, I think he's in the top six. And I will go through my predicted lines uh, in a bit. But I'm conscious of time. So I'm running through these at 100 miles an hour. So the next one is, and this is my favorite one, because I really, really, really like this guy. And when this trade went through, I can't think where I was at the time, but I know that I made like a, like a, oh, yes, kind of thing. Right, I was sat there and we should no doubt my wife kind of looked over me and thought, oh, dear. Um, which is fine fine. used to by now but the um, but he Oliver Oliver Bjorkstrand traded from the Columbus Blue Jackets they needed to get cap off their books because they've got they wanted some signings that's some you know some RFAs and UFAs they wanted to sign and it was a third and a fourth round pick I think from memory it was tiny 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 uh, amount we had to give back and he's on four and a half, a five and a half million pound, five point four million pounds per year for the next four years. But this guy is seriously, seriously good. He's so, or has been underrated in his career. He's consistently performed at teams that, let's be honest, for the Blue Jackets for some of these seasons, they were dire. Um, you know, he posted twenty eight goals last season, twenty nine point uh, assists, so fifty seven points in 80 games the season before that he posted 44 points in 56 games he also scored five goals across two seasons in the playoffs for columbus remembering that one of those years was in the sweep to tampa bay so it's no it is it's a for me it's this is exactly what seattle needed to do they needed to bring in some quality which they, let's be honest, they filled out maybe two lines last year and then the bottom six was a bit ropey. Mm-hmm. Whereas this year, now your people, and this is not being disrespectful to people like Ryan Donato you know, and, um, and, and, and arguably Don Scoy and others, um, but they're kind of third, fourth line guys. They're not top six. Mm-hmm. You know, so whereas we needed top six, even Eberle to a point is maybe a top nine rather than a top six year on year i don't think he's that consistent so mm-hmm. and i'll let you speak in a minute jp but those three moves like i, I think they're they're exactly what i wanted to see you know if ron had rang me up and i'm still waiting for that phone call ron <laughs> and, but if ron had rang me up and said ian what are we what are we going to do this off season i would have mainly been thinking jesus christ man you pay a lot of money what the hell are you ringing me for mm-hmm. but <laughs> i would have then said utilize your cap space to bring in pieces that are going to get you towards your goal. They're not going to be your goal because we're not there yet. We're not going to sign. Like Bjorkstrand doesn't make us a playoff contender. Mm-hmm. Sorry, guys, it doesn't. But he makes us better. Andre Burakovsky on his own doesn't make us a playoff contender, but he definitely makes us better. I mean, essentially, we've just brought in 40 goals a season. Right. You know, that matters. Mm-hmm. And that's how you build a squad. You know, that's how you build a team. So, right. um, I like it, man. Good moves. Good moves. Yeah, no, I agree. And like I said, you still need, you can't, every player can't be a big star signing. You still need these solid kind of workhorse players. Like you said, 20 goals a season. And like, that's how you build a winning team. You have to have a core of those kind of guys. And like you were talking about earlier, 
you know, first, second, third, fourth line, that all really depends on what team you're playing on. So it, it like you said, and if, if you've got guys that have played first and second line minutes who are playing on the third line, you know, that's a good sign mm-hmm. because it means the team is deeper than it was before. Right. And you can say that with the Knights, like the Knights have gotten stacked enough when they started, you know, when they added Eichel and they started adding these sort yep. of really high end players, you got guys that are, that have played a lot of first line minutes over a number of seasons who end up on the third line. Right. And like you mm-hmm. said, it's, it's a fantastic position to be in. If you're having to bump your first and second line players down into, yeah, like you said, middle six or even lower, that just means that every line is going to be that much more potent when they're out there, which is how you, that's how you win games, right? You got to, you got to be able to roll four lines. So it's a good, we think first, second, third, fourth line is like a ranking and it can be, and it kind of is, but another way to look at it is you just have four separate lines of hockey players out there. Right. And, uh, and you want them all to be as good as you can get them to be. So. Yeah. And I, and this is one of the things I actually love the the, the Boers kind of, methodology of lines and this is what he used to do obviously at san jose and he could do it a lot easier at vegas because the quality like you said but it's about having rolling all four lines and it being about matching up to an opponent's line rather than it being like my first line is my most minutes Mm -hmm. normally it is right but it's about making sure then if you've got three lines that are all of high skill and high quality Mm -hmm. that's a real problem for your opposition because the case of okay so who do they put out against those guys Mm -hmm. so they put their best defending team out against the first or the second or the third because now they've got a real choice you can't do it against all of it so it gives you options Mm -hmm. Um, and I think in terms of the question that we asked at the beginning which is does this make the Seattle Kraken better 100% how can it not I mean you can't add these guys in I mean Donskoy didn't score a goal all season you know without being horrible to him we now have the ability to not have to play him and and that's not I'm not suggesting that we don't before the Donskoy fan base is like what the hell and he's not even played a game this season but and, uh, you need options and yeah. Eberly was great and Schultz uh oh, Schultz sorry Schwartz uh, I was going to get confusing during the season so Schwartz was uh was was great but when Schwartz got injured the whole crack in top six collapsed when Tanev got injured, we had the same problem. Like he's mm-hmm. was scoring goals, right. but now there's less pressure on these guys to have to do it because they've got the supporting cast members. So I love it, mate. I think they're fantastic moves. Yeah, good signings. And and two guys that got kind of bumped from other teams because of big money deals, basically. Like, you know, Mc, McKinnon got signed and that then so then they had to, you know, they had to move a player. And uh same thing with the blue jackets. Yeah, it's a ripple effect. Yeah, Gaudreau got signed, and so there, you know, somebody's gotta go. And so no, great, great pickups. I agree. Great pickups by the Kraken for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so there was a few other little pickups which I'm going to really run through very, 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 very quickly. Um, and, and, and more thoughts on where we, where me and kind of uh, JP feel that the, the the teams will be. We'll cover that, as I said, on the third of these three episodes. But just to cover the last bits of signings, they also signed Martin Jones, who the long-term listeners of this podcast will know that I don't rate Martin Jones at all, uh, which I don't. I think he's he's a backup goalie who had a good season and generally after that has been pretty dreadful. Do I hope that he's not dreadful for the Seattle Kraken? Of course I do. I hope he posts some sort of worldy, you know, MVP kind of goalie season. <laughs> but uh, you know, my bet three six five account's not going to be, and you know, he's not going to have that as as, as a as, as a hot take. So um, I think it, it, we have to do that because uh, Driga is out for the season. So similar to um, 
to Leonard, although it's a different injury. He's having to have surgery, which is going to keep him out for the whole season. So Martin Jones comes in as our kind of number two. So it'll be Grubauer, number one, Martin Jones, number two. Uh, and Kem- uh, Kempney, who was at the Washington Capitals, he joined as obviously defensive depth. Uh, John Hayden joined, who was at the New Jersey Devils, was actually at the Chicago Blackhawks before that, with one of their prospects for their system. Uh, we also signed a load of extensions. So a load of guys signed one-year extensions, which for me, that's very much these guys betting on themselves to have better years than the team not wanting them to sign them for longer. But I think they're at that awkward bit where nobody wants to pay them big money, but you also don't want to lose them. Um, so Coleman, Lind, um, Fleury, so Hayden Fleury, uh, Morgan Geeky, Ryan Donato, all those guys got extended, which again is fantastic and great pieces of business. But the reality is, they're small extensions. It's almost a kind of play. You've got to show us now, a bit like Donato, you've got to show us you can do that again this season and then you get your deal. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's uh and once again, it's all part of building a solid core of players, right? Like mm. just sort of yeah, keep keeping the team where you've got a long depth pipeline of players. And it's a, it's a good off season for the team generally. Yeah, I loved it. Different strokes, but I haven't, got, I haven't got the clip for that. So, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna flick across to uh, to uh, Vegas. <laughs> because they did some business as well. I know they didn't do any trades. They're not only really a real trade. I mean, obviously they traded away a few bits and pieces. And the uh, the, the obviously going to be in the the top six is uh, future considerations. But the <laughs> there wasn't a lot of business that was done. Um, but more of it was around retaining the players that they already had. So I'm going to run through these deals and then over to you, JP, to, to talk through the ones that you want to talk through. But they obviously re-signed Riley Smith. We talked about that on the last one. <clears throat> Ginormous ginormous for the team um wild bill obviously stayed here as well no re- no re-signing needed he's already in a contract but i think a lot of people felt he was going to be moved or at least i did um they re-signed brett howden they re-signed nicholas war to a five-year extension great deal um colossar to a three-year extension cotter to a three-year deal and the other guy jp whose name is oh jake lecision yeah <laughs> that's it yeah. yeah i didn't want to say it <laughs> he signed a deal as well but you've got to be happy, man. I mean, that's some, there's some great. Like, these aren't like, like I said, these are the, these are the pieces that you need around your superstars. But to know that these guys are all staying around, that's some great continuity for the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and each of those guys plays um, right like, like a, a solid and important role for the team. And uh, Riley Smith, yeah. I mean, he's streaky, right? But um, but when he's on, he <laughs> he contributes a lot. Like his production is really good and. Um, mm. and yeah, some of those other guys are more, you like, like why is a, is a, yeah, I think of him right now as a little bit more of a utility player, he, but you can slot him mm-hmm. in anywhere. He's a center. Like he's played for, he's played on every line. He's played wing, he's played center, uh, and he's got a, a high ceiling that I don't think he's reached yet. So yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Lock him down for five years. Colasar, right. He's, um, you know, third, fourth line guy, but, uh, um, very physical player. Right. And, um, He's a, a little bit of muscle as well. Like if you need somebody to drop the gloves, Colasar is never afraid to do that. Like you, you need a player. You, most teams need at least one guy 
who will drop the gloves when called upon. And, and, uh, and Colasar is that guy right now, not as fierce a fighter as, uh, as Ryan Reeves for sure, but uh, it does some, <laughs> that doesn't always matter, right? If you got a guy who's willing to do it and can, can hold his own, that's all you need to make a statement. And then yeah, Colasar contributes in a lot of other ways too. So, uh, no, it's, it's good. Those were all good deals. I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, so the the Nick Ward deal was three three million a year AAV. I think it was five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and but he, last year it was a, a career high for him. I think thirty nine or forty points. Yeah. in the season, which is great. Mm-hmm. And and then you look at Riley Smith, and I said you actually look at his numbers last season. They're pretty impressive. When he he didn't play the whole season, so he played fifty six games, mm-hmm. which would be a little concerning, I guess, for him. Is can he stay healthy? Right. Um, but if you look through the previous years, generally he played kind of 80, 85% this season. So I don't think it's quite the red flag that it that it may appear right. on last season's numbers. But he scored 38 points, 16 goals for 56 games. That's not bad. And if you've got that on the third line, that's pretty impressive to have that kind of thing big, there, you know? Big time. Yeah, he's a that's a 20 to 30 goal a year guy, right? Depending on the season and depending on if he plays the whole thing. But, uh, I was, I was excited that they were able to resign him and really wasn't expecting that. I thought for sure he was going to move on. So, uh, you never know how it's going to go, but yeah, it's great. I'm glad to see him sticking around. Me too. Me too. And I like you, I would have had him down in my, who's he going to, Mm-hmm. trade of uh, trade box mm-hmm. so uh, fair play to the management for getting that done the management obviously takes a lot of heat um and they're always gonna you know they're, they're always the the bad guys they're the villains it's the way that this all works but um they've done some good pieces of business in the off season um and again like we said about the about seattle I, I can't look at the vegas team and think that this year you're anything other than stronger than last year goalie aside we'll talk about that in a second mm-hmm. but you know, Mark Stone looks like he's healthy. He's he's you know he's been in a few articles I've read on the Athletic recently where you know they're saying he's he's kind of he's he's had all the recovery time he needs. You know, he wasn't he, he, not making the playoffs last year may end up being a really 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 good thing for this team. And I know JP, you're sat there with a little grin saying <laughs> I said that back <laughs> last year. You did, I remember. Yeah, um, but you you could well be proved right for once. Yeah, they're very <laughs> they're they're very motivated and listen, the Golden Knights are we've said this one of the most hated teams in the league right now and it's very trendy to sort of hate on the Golden Knights and the players know this. Yeah, you know, they hear this stuff mm-hmm. too. So they they do seem like they're going to have a little bit of a fire under their butts this year and you know new coaching, new system, uh, you know, I think we're poised here in Vegas to to see a, a good strong season out of them. So mm. Exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. Now, there was one last little area on the Vegas Golden Knights, which we wanted to talk about. And that was regarding the situation in net. (laughs) (laughs) On the last episode, we talked about Logan Thompson. And we're going to talk about him again. And we know we know look our job is to give opinions okay that is that is what we're here to do and and i know that after stuff i say people will either agree with half it they won't and you know there'll be a select group which probably thinks that most of the stuff i say is a load of crap but what we wanted to do with logan thompson was to to kind of dive deeper into into some of his stats and to talk a little bit more around him than we we maybe had time to do last time because the one thing that that, that cannot be denied is how important the goalie position is 
You know, if we look at the Stanley Cup winners for the last God knows how many years, everyone talks about building a team through the center. That's great, but the center starts all the way back. And it's the person in the center of the yeah. pipes starts that really gets you going. Mm-hmm. And then you go through and you, you get a good core center and some good strong D and the wingers scoring, blah, 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 blah. But as proven behind the Seattle Kraken last year, if your goalies are not good, your season is, is, is doomed. You can't, you can't outscore. It's not that kind of league. You can't outscore a poor goalie. And you, maybe you can for some games, but you can't for that. Now I'm not, calling Logan Thompson a poor goalie before we, before that's the takeaway that people get from this because he's not he's not and we I've got some I've got some stats here to go through shocker uh, in terms of in terms of his numbers and his numbers are seriously impressive over the last couple of seasons so at the silver knights last year he played 26 games his save percentage was 920 that's pretty impressive for the nhl he played 19 games save percentage was 914 better than any other goalie in the in the Vegas Golden Knights system. And when you actually break that down further and have a look at his high danger chances, he actually had the best safe percentage in the Vegas Golden Knights system against high danger chances as well. Um, it wasn't 9-14, but it was a lot higher than the uh, than, than Brossois and a lot higher than, than Lennar as well. The year before that, Henderson Silver Knights, he was played 23 games. Obviously, COVID impacted somewhat, but still, the AHL played a good percentage this season. And he had a 9.43 save percentage in the regular season and a 9.19 in the playoffs, which is which is interesting. Um, Vegas Gold Knights, by the way, only played one game and he got a shutout. So, so he had a 100% save percentage, but there was a little bit of uh, tongue in cheek <laughs> with that. Um, you actually have to go back to 2018 19 to find a season where Thompson didn't actually have a safe percentage over 900 the whole way through his WHL career except for his first season or first two seasons with the Wheat Kings he was over 900 and he really has been pretty consistent but I think all of that aside the step up to the NHL is ginormous ginormous for this guy and it's not that we don't believe that he can get there or that we don't want him to get there because we do um, you know, even as a Vegas sympathizer, goalie is one of my favorite positions in the league. I always like them to do well. And I, and I think that his potential upside is ginormous. But it is a it is a humongous step to go from the AHL. So it's all well and good as looking at the Silver Knights and saying, whatever his save percentage of Silver Knights was 943 in, in 2020, 2020, you know, okay, great. But if you go through the the AHL starting goalies, there is a lot of failed NHL goalies that post good numbers in the, in the AHL because the quality is obviously slightly less. You're not facing people like Patrick Kane and Conor McDavid, you know? So it's going to be an easier league to play in. Um, I would take a lot of um, promise from his 19 games in, in, the, in the NHL, but it's 19 games. And I think it would be wrong for us not to cast a bit of caution to the wind, if you will, around just knowing that he's going to be a bona fide starter because he's he's you know he came in, he played 19 games, he got a 19 for you know nine one four save percentage. Therefore, he is going to be Robin Leonard too. I think that's a stretch, and the Vegas Golden Knights have put a lot of pressure on their goalies over the last couple of seasons. So you look at the amount of shots they give. Now, maybe that will be different under Cassidy, and you know, Cassidy may well be able to protect. Thompson in a way that the ball wouldn't have been able to. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
you know, your thoughts, JP, as well. But I, I think we just need to be careful with this, that it's not blind faith. And therefore, we're almost underplaying the amount of, of that's, re- that's going to be required from Thompson, the level of step up, the amount of pressure that's going to be on that guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think a good way to put it is that he's just not proven yet. He's not proven yet, and he's not seasoned yet. And those mm. are not strikes against him. He's, you know, he's a young player. You're right. The time he spent in net was very promising and the fans really like him. And that's great. And of course, we we hope for him that he's going to have a, an amazing breakout season. Of course, that's what we all want. But yeah, I agree with you. It's that my, you know, my concern is not even so much about what Thompson is capable of. It's more that Goalies are under tremendous amount of psychological pressure. It's a weird, hmm. it's a, they have a kind of pressure that no, that other players do not have. They tend to take the blame for a lot of things, even if they're not the captain. In some ways, they end up being sort of the unspoken, like backbone of the team. And it's a lot of pressure and goalies, they're just in a very unique position, the role that they play on the team, not just in terms of the hockey that they play, but psychologically in terms of camaraderie in terms of leadership and so my concern more is just that that's a lot and and a lot of goalies get broke kind of broken by that and if i guarantee you if management had their way they would like to cook logan thompson a little bit longer even if he got onto the roster i think they would far prefer to have him playing more of like a backup role or a tandem role behind a more seasoned nhl goalie strictly so that that thompson can be the best goalie he can be and my worry is that him being thrown into the starting position on a team that's expected to be a contender you just worry about that pressure and you just worry that he'll be able to bear that burden this early because like you said it's a huge jump to the nhl and at the nhl level and with this fan base and with and the expectations on this team and and expectations from management like it's a lot that's a lot for anybody that's a lot for goalies that have won three stanley cups and uh much less a guy you know and last season was a different deal thompson came in under the guise of oh i need to step up to the plate next man up here's my opportunity to shine this season it's a completely different animal right everybody's like well it looks like thompson's very likely gonna be the starter and that's yeah, a he's whole, the guy yeah. yeah yeah exactly it's a whole last year it was more like oh let's see what thompson can do oh good for him everybody's rooting for the underdog the young rookie goaltender it's going to be a different deal this year and you can feel those expectations mounting and so that's my worry is more we want him to be the best goalie that it can be and um sometimes being thrown into these situations a little bit quickly can be detrimental to some players. Whether it will be detrimental to him remains to be seen. I hope he has a great year, but um, that, and like you said, on a team where that's the one position where management would probably like to have a little bit more depth or at least one more piece. um, Right. There's, there's not quite as much faith there perhaps at the moment. So yeah, it's not to say that, I wish him the best. I hope he, I hope he kills it this year, but those are the realities. And I mean, look, we were just talking about Nolan Patrick first round draft pick and look, his career, it just never has quite panned out for him. So showing great promise does not equal a full and successful transition, uh, into a great NHL career, you know? Exactly. 
and we've seen we've seen other teams try this this kind of system and it and it work and other teams try and it hasn't i mean washington obviously you know the Ilya samsonov and he he'd had a lot of years in the khl as well before coming across the nhl um and and it hasn't been smooth sailing for him mm-hmm. you know vanasek looked out of favor got selected by Kraken went back to Washington, then started actually pushing Samsonov out of the starter position at Washington, and you know it became a real. So I'm with I'm with you. I think it's a, it's a lot of uh, pressure on his shoulders. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and you just hope for a good start. I mean, momentum is is so massive. But conscious of time, one last thing we said we want to talk about. And you nicely touched on it. So a fantastic setup from you, JP. Um, you talked about the expectations. So. I'm going to cover Seattle's expectations in one sentence and we'll cover why more when we do the predictions episode. Seattle just want to get better. It's as simple as that. They don't want to win the Stanley Cup. Obviously we do. But realistically, the ownership is not in the room saying, this is our year, boys, cup, cup, cup. They're just saying it has to improve. The on-ice experience for the fans has to be better. We have to win more games. There has to be a better feeling around the team. People need to see the plan is working. Mm-hmm. That's Seattle. Yeah. But for Vegas, what's your thoughts in terms of, you know, the, not you personally, but what's your thoughts of what the management at the Vegas Golden Knights, what's their expectations for this season? I think management still fully expects this team to contend. I think with the question mm-hmm. mark, with the question mark around goal, I think that's a problem that they're going to want to solve. Whether it's bidding or excuse me, Biddington, what am I saying? I'm thinking of Biddington and <laughs> his wish. breakout season. Yeah. Whether it's Thompson and or Hill, uh, really both having huge breakout years, and that solves the problem, and they and they mm-hmm. gain more faith in those two guys, or whether they bring in, uh, you know, they make a move and bring in an experience. But aside from that, uh, I think they expect to be a playoff team and probably expect they expect the team to contend on paper. The roster is set that they should, they should contend. So I, I don't think that expectation expectation has changed at all. And I think Foley still wants his cup. I don't think anything's different there. Foley's always going to want a cup, but. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And he has been, you know, he has been all in since the first, I loved it. When you guys first came into the league and I probably said this before, but and I I'm, don't care. I'm going to say it again. And, and that's, <laughs> It was it was true Vegas style that it was just all in chips on the table, just <laughs> you know from that. from the get go. There was no half measures, you know. Exactly. So, go for so it. whether people like all of the moves that the Vegas management have done, you're probably not going to like all the moves that any management does. I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to speak for the team that I manage in in my real job, but I'm, I'm sure they don't agree with every decision that I, that I make. Um, and if they say they do, they're probably lying. Um, but the yeah, that's the job of management, but you can't falter. You can't. You can't even question their intent on winning because they have. They've been all in since the since the expansion draft, and it's never slowed down. And it's not going to either. I don't think. Yeah, I, d- I don't expect that to change in the near future. At some point, it, when the team no. does hit a rebuild or something, that that may change. But at the moment, no, they're still going. Absolutely, still going for it. And uh, and like I said, on paper, the roster is set up to be that kind of team you know the yeah, mm. goal the goalie position still a little bit of question mark there but uh, uh it's not something that needs to be solved tomorrow they can they, they, even the way they are right now they're easily a playoff team 
with the current roster. It's a question of whether they can build themselves into being a team that's going to go deep and, and, ha- and actually have a chance at the cup, but no doubt a, a playoff team already in, in terms of how they're built. So I, yeah, it's going to be the same. It's going to be going for broke. Yeah, exactly. And we will delve into the whys and wherefores on the next episode because that does wrap us up for this episode and just a, a preview really. So the, the final of these three episodes is going to be covering our predictions. So we're going to look at who we think is going to win each division across the NHL. So not just in ours, it's going to be quite a long episode. So Gonna get your popcorn ready, get your slippers on, sit down. <laughs> Although obviously in, in the US, this kind of releases at nine AM, but you, you know what I mean. And uh, so get yourself set in. You know, ring at work that day, phone in sick, whatever you need to do. Uh, and um, the because we're gonna cover all each of the the four divisions, both conferences, and uh, where we think people are gonna are gonna be. Um, but on top of that, we're also gonna ask these four questions. So these are the four questions that I want to hear from our listeners and what who you think is going to be in these each of these roles and why. So the first one is, who do we think is going to have a breakout season and why? Second one is, what prospect makes that next step? So which prospect could be Logan Thompson makes that next step in the 2022-2023 season? Question number three is, who do we need to see a bounce back from? Is that Grubauer? Is that, you know, I don't know, Eichel, whoever. Who do we need to see a bounce back from in, in next season? And lastly, uh, what happens to the Vegas front office if they miss the playoffs again? Is Kelly, is his job at risk if Vegas missed the playoffs for a second straight season? Which I don't, by the way, think is going to happen. But just to <laughs> prod the bear, we're going to talk about it anyway. Um, yeah. So that's that. But look, JP, it's been great speaking with you again. I'm loving the fact that the hockey season is nearly upon us and we get to do this all over again. Thank you to each of the listeners who listened to the preseason episodes so far. You are all legends. Uh, we are nearly hitting a massive milestone in terms of listens, which I will talk about on a future podcast after we hit it because I'm not going to jinx it by saying it now. But we are close to a, a very large number of, of downloads and listens, which is uh, which is fantastic. So thank you all for that. Um, and yeah, look, stay safe. Uh, keep your fingers crossed for no more injuries, please. We don't want any more injuries before the season starts. Mm. We don't want any more injuries. We don't want any injuries in the preseason. Say that again. Um, yeah. And exactly. And have a think about your own predictions for 2022, 2023. And obviously let us know through through Twitter and other routes that you can contact us. So until next week, guys, stay safe, stay well. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.